Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I am a Catholic priest in Kansas City, Missouri, and this is a podcast where I post homilies and random other stuff that I might teach or speak about. Hope you find something useful and maybe even inspiring. God bless you. If you've ever seen uh, images of somebody afflicted with the disease of leprosy, you'll know how serious it is. Uh, Leprosy is a disease that that literally attacks the the flesh and causes it to begin to rot. And uh, after a while, it begins to produce a a horrible stench. And due to the fact that it's contagious for most of the world's history, prior to modern medicine, it required that lepers would live apart from society and in sort of, as we hear in in the first reading today, as it was prescribed to to Moses, they had to live outside the camp of the Israelites as they were traveling their 40 years in the desert. And then that continued, of course, through our Lord's day with the scene in the gospel, the the leper would have dwelt outside of a city with with other lepers. And there's still parts of the world today where this exists, where uh, modern medicine has not yet fully been implemented and and there's still leper colonies. and leprosy has often been likened by commentators of scripture uh, what it does to the body has been likened to what sin does to the soul leprosy disfigures the human body it begins to attack the various limbs and it sort of deforms uh, the person's physical structure sin does the same thing in a spiritual way to our soul it begins to disfigure our soul But not only our soul, but also the church at large. Sin not only affects us, it affects the church at large. And we can also see how it disfigures our Lord. When we look at our Lord on the cross, and he's bruised and beaten and scourged, his disfigurement is a product of our sins. So we can see here is this beautiful parallel that should cause us to to pause and reflect on on how sin is, is, if you will, the leprosy of the soul and with Lent just a few days away obviously we give a lot of attention in the season of Lent to our sins and to trying to 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 come to deeper conversion sort of turn more intensely away from our sins Um, and so now would be a good time I think to reflect a little bit on on this aspect of the Christian life that that is entailed in in turning away from sin you know when we think of I think when we think of Lent, we often think of the external practices of Lent, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And these things are totally necessary for the Christian life, totally necessary to become a saint. But without interior conversion as their foundation, they're sort of a hollow shell of what they're meant to be. Uh, It's very important that we remember this as we commit ourselves to different external practices in Lent. If it lacks the interior conversion of the heart, they're going to be somewhat empty. Now, of course, there's an interplay. You know, we we sort of do external practices of prayer, fasting, almsgiving. That will help us to convert our hearts to some extent. But but they're always going to be a hollow shell if we don't remember that the primacy is given to this interior conversion of the heart. And there are really there are two facets to conversion. One is 
a turning away from sin, and the second is a turning towards God, a turning towards the Lord. It's really one movement, but it's helpful to distinguish them in these, in these two steps. You see this in, in the preaching of our Lord. Whenever he would arrive in a particular place, he would always first preach repentance. He would say, repent, leave your sin behind, give it up, cast it out, and then follow me. Right, once you're free of all this stuff that keeps you from me, then you can set out and follow me. Repent, and then follow me. This is the dynamic of conversion that should be happening in our hearts all throughout our lives. It should never stop. A continual turning away from sin and turning to the Lord. Away from sin and to the Lord. And I, I just want to give special focus today to the first of those aspects, this, this turning away from sin. Right? This, this is given special emphasis in the season of Lent. And the main thing I want to, the main sort of point I want to get across, the most important aspect of turning away from sin, and when I say it, you're going to think to yourself, oh, it's too simple. <laughs> but the most important aspect of turning away from sin is that you have to want to turn away from sin. You have to want to turn away from sin. I know you might be thinking to yourself, wow, Father, that's really deep, <laughs> right? To turn away from sin, you have to... You have to want to turn away from sin. Great, what else you got? <laughs> you know, it, it seems almost absurdly simple that that would be the most important part of this first piece of conversion, that we have to want to turn away from sin. But it's a bit, it's a bit more complicated than that. There's, there's a few more aspects to it. First of all, it's important to note that there is a direct correlation between our love of God and our desire to avoid sin. It's a spectrum. Some people are happy going through their life just avoiding mortal sin because they don't love God very much. And they're sort of thinking to themselves, I'm mostly just interested in getting to heaven for me. And so I'm content just avoiding mortal sin. If that's, if that's all that it takes, I'm, I'm content with that, right? Their love of God, which is not very hot, if you will, dictates that they're not particularly desirous of avoiding sin. They, they desire to avoid some sin, but it's mostly for self-seeking purposes. Right? Whereas, when you look at the lives of the saints, the lengths to which they went to avoid, and I'll get into this in a minute, to avoid even what are called semi-deliberate venial sins is truly extraordinary because they loved God to a heroic degree. When you love someone to a heroic degree, you go to every length possible to not offend them. Think about this in a marriage. A man who loves his wife intensely is going to do everything in his power to avoid offending her even in the smallest possible thing. A man who begins to take his wife for granted and is no longer really desirous of growing into a heroic love of his wife is going to be content with letting certain things go. He's like, well, I'll try and avoid offending my wife grievously. Like, that's a goal. But I don't really have it as a goal to avoid offending her even in tiny things, right? So we need to reflect and ask ourselves, how intense is my desire? to avoid sin. 
because the intensity of that desire is an indication of how much we love God. When we look at the leper in today's gospel, the intensity with which he desired to be free of his leprosy is, is really strong. If we apply that to ourselves and we think, if I was a leper, <laughs> if I was suffering from this horrible, debilitating, disfiguring disease, I would want to be free of that with every ounce of my being. Now think about sin. Sin is infinitely worse than what leprosy is. Would I have, do I have that same desire to be free of sin that I would if I was a leper? Right, this, is, this is a good pause for examination. If I, if I don't, then I have a long way to go in my love of God. Long way to go. The second thing I want to point out about the nuance of this desire to be free of sin, this desire to avoid sin, to turn away from it, um, is, is to correct the misconception that many people have, which is that it's not possible to be free of all sin. It's not possible to not commit sin. Now there's some nuance here, but this actually is not true. This actually is not true. Uh, it wouldn't make sense for God to say, I want you to arrive at the perfection of love in this life, right? Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Give up everything and follow me. Like, do, do not even commit the least sin. It wouldn't make sense for God to call us to that and then make it impossible at the same time. It would be irrational. It would be irrational. So it is possible. You read the great spiritual writers and the saints of the church. When we talk about mortal sin and what they'll call deliberate venial sin, they all agree it is possible to arrive at a point in our life where we do not commit either of those at all. We've rooted them out completely. We've rooted them out completely. So it's important to correct that misconception. Many people just sort of presume that like, well, I'll always have venial sins, so like, what's the point of like, really striving to root them all out? Because they're always gonna be there. That's not actually true. Now, it may be helpful here, I'll pause for a minute to just give you a, a sort of brief catechesis on these different layers of offenses against God. I'll go through four, and this could, this could serve two or three more sermons, but I'll, I'll just give you the highlights so you kind of can, can begin looking at your own life in terms of, okay, where do I, how, how intensely am I striving in this area? So we have mortal sin, of course, which is sort of, you can imagine doing a 180 degree turn, turning our back on God, saying, no thanks, Lord, I'm going to offend you in this grievous way because I prefer myself to you, right? Mortal sin. Then you have what we call deliberate venial sin which is when I consciously and with full freedom choose to turn aside from God's will in some lesser thing. You know, I, I'm standing around with some people, the conversation turns to gossip, and I begin to be tempted to, to throw in a, a, you know, a line as well to contribute to it because I, I want to be thought well of by these people, want to fit in. And so the thought begins to go through my mind, uh, if I do this, I'll be sinning against the Lord and against this person. But you know what, Lord? I, I prefer my own desires right now to yours, right? I prefer to be liked by this group of people rather than to do your will. So I'm going to contribute to this, this gossip. But just, just one line, though, Lord. You know, just one, <laughs> one line. We rationalize with ourselves all the time. And so in that case, this person is, is with full freedom, consciously, 
straying from God's will, they're committing a deliberate venial sin. Those kinds of sins it is possible to eradicate completely from our life to where they no longer are happening at all. And then writers will distinguish between that and what they call, and this makes sense when you think about human experience, they'll distinguish between that and what they call semi-deliberate venial sins, which is sort of something that we do with kind of like almost without thinking it through all the way. You know, somebody says maybe a harsh word to us and, and we, we can't catch the words before they come out of our mouth. You know, we say something kind of defensive, right? Right, we, we, we say something a bit harsh back to them. But we didn't do it, we didn't sort of pause for five seconds and kind of think through it fully and, and so on. This would be a, a semi-deliberate venial sin. Most authors and saints will say that it's impossible to fully eradicate semi-deliberate venial sin in this life, although we can make extraordinary progress. We can make extraordinary progress as we purify, purify our, our hearts and, and so on. And then below that you have what are called imperfections. These are very important to understand as well. Imperfections are not sins. So if a mortal sin is a 180 degree turn and a venial sin is like a 20 degree turn, an imperfection is when I'm, I'm actually still looking straight on at the Lord, I'm engaged in doing His will, but perhaps I'm not doing it with as much love as I could, right? Perhaps I'm praying, I'm doing something good, but it's lackluster. I'm not, I'm not praying with as much love and devotion as I could. I'm a bit sort of careless. Or perhaps I, I do something good, but with mixed motives. I, I help a poor person, but I don't do it exclusively because I want to glorify God and love this person. Part of me does it because I hope that later on in the next couple days I'll be able to tell someone about it. Part of me does it because I, I, I sort of hope somebody kind of drives by and, and sees me helping this person, right? So I do it for, for, for mixed motives. Part of my motives are vain, to be recognized by, by, other, by people other than God. So these are, these are imperfections. And all the authors and saints agree that it's impossible to totally root out imperfections in this life, although again, we can make extraordinary progress. So getting back to the, the desire to root out sin completely from our life, how did, how did the saints approach this? And I just want to offer you a couple examples. Um, there's a story from the life of King St. Louis IX, so this is 13th century France, uh, told by his biographer, a man named John, who was in his court for about 30 years. And John says that one day the, the king sort of quizzed him. and. Uh, and, and the king, uh, in, in, a, in a company of different people, the king asked John, he said, I have a question for you. He said, which would you, and John is recounting this, he said, which would you like better, either to be a leper or to have committed a mortal sin? And I, who never lied to him, made answer that I would rather have committed 30 mortal sins than be a leper. And when others in our company had departed, he asked me alone, how came you to give me such an answer? And I repeated my answer to him. And he told me, you spoke hastily and as a fool, for you should know that there is no leprosy so hideous as being in mortal sin, inasmuch as the soul that is in mortal sin is like unto the devil. Wherefore, no leprosy can be so hideous. And 
when a man dies, he is healed of the leprosy of the body. But when a man who has committed a mortal sin dies, the leprosy of the soul could last for eternity. So I pray you, he said, as strongly as I can for the love of God and for the love of me, so to set your heart that you prefer any evil that can happen to the body, whether it be leprosy or any other sickness, rather than that mortal sin should enter your soul. We should prefer the debilitating, disgusting, excruciating disease of leprosy for decades rather than to commit one mortal sin against the Lord. This is how much the saints desired to, to avoid sin because of their great love for God. Teresa of Avila gives a similar example. She's talking to her nuns. This is 16th century Spain. And she says, do not be negligent until you find in yourselves so strong a resolution of not offending God that you would lose a thousand lives rather than commit one mortal sin. Right? Not only should we prefer to be afflicted with a terrible disease for one life rather than commit a mortal sin, she says we should prefer to die a thousand times rather than commit one mortal sin. Right? This is deep love of God. This is, this is what Lent should be pushing us towards. And the, the, the story is much the same for venial sin. Ignatius of Loyola has these things that he calls the three levels of humility. And they include lots of different things in each of the three levels. But one of them includes our desire to avoid sin. In level two, we're not even to level three, <laughs> and, and the third level of humility, he says we should prefer to die or the second level, he, should, he says, we should prefer to die rather than to commit a single venial sin, right? How many of us could, could pause and, and reflect on our life and say that that's actually the sentiment that we carry in our hearts every day, right? Like I'm in a circle of people and I have this little temptation to like <laughs> include a line of gossip to contribute to that, and the thought goes through my mind, no, I would rather die. I would rather be tortured and die than commit this little venial sin. I, I don't have that. <laughs> I, like, I don't know how many of you could, could examine your life and say that's honestly like the thought that, that goes through your mind in such a circumstance. But this is, this is the love of God that we have to strive for. Right? The, the turning away from sin that the Lord wants of us. So, so this Lent, let's examine ourselves, ask this question, how much do I really want to avoid all sin in my life? We can look to the cross and tell the Lord, Lord, let me never repay you with ingratitude for everything you've done for me. Help me to love you better. And he will not refuse us such a request as that.